it's almost Jack Charlton type stuff. Put them under pressure and we're going to play to our strengths. We're going to win the ball and get on with the game. Are we subtweeting Ireland here? Or is this what we're doing? Is the point you're sort of getting at here? Not really. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not particularly going, going into the going down that route at this at this stage of the tournament and at this stage <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> No split decision as Julian cuts through Croatia. More messy magic puts it on La Plata for Alvarez. And it's now six of the best for Argentina in World Cup semi-finals. Tonight they'll be joined by France or Morocco, whose manager will later explain why having the ball is overrated. But there's only one place to start, and that's with Daniel McDonnell in the Lusail Stadium. And after Argentina's 3-0 victory over Croatia. Dan, it was a cagey opening half hour, but the 3-0 was every bit as convincing as it sounds in the end. Yeah, it was. Um... Definitely, um, and, and it's it's happening for Argentina. Really, um, it's it's sort of a, like like the early hours of the morning. Like you, there's still thousands of Argentina fans around the place. Although interestingly, it didn't feel like there was actually as many Argentina fans there as there was for the Dutch game. I think there might be more neutrals at this match. Maybe like a semi-final, a little bit more of a premium ticket that a lot of people would have bought in advance. But I mean, the place is is just still heaving with them and this sense of destiny which i mean i've watched it before i mean in 2014 it was the same they felt it was all going this way um and like you know in brazil's backyard but i mean again we're sort of caught up with it and uh strange like i was in the um was in the lift coming down and uh someone got into the lift i was like it looks very familiar i just can't place who that is then it did a whole thing of like you look at someone's lanyard and like you look at their name mm. you, this is a big part of the the tournament etiquette where you like you want to suss out where someone's from like i, I did this a bit earlier to try and get someone to come in the pod and talk to us and you're looking at people to see what country are they from or but you're trying not to let them know that you're actually like checking that out try and sort of pretend yeah. you're looking at the phone but you're really looking at their name but of course i should have copped it it was maxi Madri- maxi rodriguez of course uh ex liverpool uh atletico madrid with argentina and to me maxi rodriguez is 2006 and that incredible goal uh against mexico in the round of 16 and he came into the lift he was high-fiving a couple of the argentine guys i was just thinking like 2006 i mean i remember that summer well i remember having like a sort of a, a knockoff argentina jersey i'd picked up somewhere and was all in on Argentina winning that World Cup. And, of course, it was Messi's first World Cup. He was left on the bench mm-hmm. by, uh, by Peckerman in, in the game where they went out. And you kind of wonder, like, you know, what would history, what way would things have gone? Because they were amazing in that tournament until that point. Yeah. And, like, it felt like they were the team that was going to win it. Um, and, yes, like, what way would have things gone if he'd, he'd won it that early? You know, like, what, would we be as yeah. invested in this story now? But, like, I don't know. Like, why, why, why does everyone want Argentina to win? Is it just the Messi thing? Because it's, 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 it's funny. Like, you know, I've travelled a bit around South America, and they're not necessarily that popular in the region. The Argentina fans—they're not necessarily the most liked by the other countries. Yet, sort of around the world, we're all just everyone's taking videos. I'm doing it of these Argentina fans, and this is brilliant, and it's Messi, and it's like, I don't know. We all, we all get caught up in it a bit. I mean, I don't know. Is that the same at home? I mean, do you want Argentina to win it? I mean. Obviously, we're all impartial in our own way, but are you invested in the Argentina winning it story? Like, let's be honest, I think most people are. 
yeah, look, it won't ruin my Sunday if they don't win it. I put it to you that way. If yeah. you know, I'm not overly bothered who wins it, but I've been too boring about it, like a good game. But like the messy factor, I think social media comes into it as well. Where you know, again, we go back to Mark Ogden a couple of weeks ago and the traffic that Messi drives, and it's everywhere. And you have you know people taking videos in the crowd, incredible videos of watching him go by Guardiola there tonight, and it's just all about. It's all about Messi. People do want him to win in terms of like Maradona '86, Pele in '70, you know '58. There is an element, and Brian Kerr spoke about this. Whether he, if you like, needs it or not, I think he, he. People would say he he needs it. People who don't really watch that much football or have maybe look at things on statistical basis say maybe he he needs it to cement his greatness. He doesn't. He's like. He's the greatest player of his generation, in my opinion. Whether he's the greatest player of all time, it's really difficult to compare across eras because Messi can basically almost decide when he wants to be fouled. So he kind of just runs along with the ball, is stopped, and the ref will probably give him a foul. He certainly won't book him. Um, whereas Maradona, Pele, in different areas, where lumps kicked out of them. So Messi doesn't have to endure that, thankfully, which is a good thing. That's like There's, there's no doubt about that. It is just a messy factor. Like There's... I mean, I saw you tweeting that anything around them, the, the actual goal score becomes a quiz question. Yeah. You know, uh, Alvarez scored two, won the penalty. And he's kind of, if, if you go into offices around the world, it, you know, in the morning after the match, it'd be messy, messy, messy. And what was your man's name again? Who scored the, go- who scored the goals? Like, you <laughs> yeah. Know, it's just, it's just that for, kind of strange. Yeah, he does play, yeah. Who plays for those plucky underdogs of Manchester city. It must be remembered. Yes. Like, you know, the, uh, those, 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 the laborers and builders of Manchester city that, you know, Messi elevates them. I mean, this is the thing. Like, I mean, uh, and it was writing in, in the piece for the paper, like Menenzo Fernandez has been pretty influential, you know, three ball for a goal. It'll one two at Messi after half time. I mean, he, I mean, he might still go for a hundred million quid. That seems to be the chat, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Alvarez, okay, wasn't wasn't that expensive a boy by Man City standards, but uh, it's not quite the Messi and ten chumps, you know, ten cloggers here. But no, it's not. It obviously... Nor was it eighty six at Maradona either, which is one of these no, things that over no, the years no. people say, you know, he he won it on his own. He didn't, and neither will Messi. No, but it's, it's, you certainly feel like you're caught up in that story. But you look at someone like Maxi there, he's now my good mate. We were in a lift for like 10 seconds, but uh, mm-hmm. and didn't talk. But the, you know, he was sort of high sure he's telling the podcast somewhere that he's <laughs> yeah. in a lift at Daniel McDonald as well. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I wasn't in the sort of red, sort of smart suit that he was in. I mean, like we're similar age, but I think um, one of us looks like we're, we've been slightly fresher uh, three weeks into the tournament or four weeks, whatever, <laughs> than the other. I won't say which one that is. Um, but it was certainly doing live TV or something. But, you know, like genuinely happy. Like, and obviously uh, at times you'd be around tournaments and you'd see legendary players. Maybe in my head, I've got England 2018 in my mind here where it looked like this England team might won the World Cup. And I, I did see some of the sort of super pundits from the golden generation. And I was thinking, no, I, I'm sure that deep down they're happy. I do believe that. You see the celebrations off air, right? I'm not saying it's insincere, but I'm sure there's possibly a part of them thinking, how could these guys win it? You know, that, un- that unheralded England mm-hmm. side as it was at that stage, the 2018 one, when when we didn't do anything. Imagine if they're the ones that are on the stamps and, you know, they get all this yeah. sort of uh, the, the, the knighting or whatever that comes with it. But I kind of wonder, and I don't know this, like for the Argentine players who played with, like Maxi, 
uh, got the winning penalty in the semi-final in 2014. Um, like he was part of that near miss, and clearly, I mean that will obviously haunt him. He didn't get to win the World Cup when yeah. he was involved with a squad that got to the final. But I kind of wonder: are they, do they, are they all on board with the destiny angle too? That that they want to see him win it. And I know you say, does he need to win it? Right? That's that's like, I mean, that's in in the eyes maybe of say his legacy, right? But for him, he probably does. You know, in his mind, in his eyes, like now that he's this close, oh, yeah. I'd say the obsession is is greater than it ever was because now it's 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 within touching distance. Like if they were knocked out in the groups, you know, I'm not sure how long his his own grieving process for would have lasted. But now, now they've got within one game, it's gonna. He probably will go into that game thinking that if he doesn't do it, it's a massive failure. You know that that he's got to that point. So he probably is in yeah. that needing a territory now, um, because he's because he's at the edge of it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I guess that's the, you know, that's the cruelty with these things is is that it it's easier to take to to go out in a group stage than it is yeah. to to lose in a final. That's just just the nature of it's the nature of sport. It's the nature of anything. Um, I, I think the way. We we spoke previously about the momentum they have, and just in the on the game itself, like for half an hour it was fairly cagey stuff. It was you know two good technical teams happy enough to be in around each other's box, and then a switch off from from Lovren to let Alvarez run through, penalty given, and suddenly it was just the door was open. And Argentina, we like I spoke, I didn't think they'd been ruthless enough in the competition so far, and they absolutely were this time. You know they smashed the door down. The, the second goal was. It would it would be one of the worst runs from a halfway line to ever score a goal in terms of the way it actually panned out. It was sort of it was a lot of touches, a couple of tackles, and a good finish. But it was a, it was a strange um, it was a strange couple of goals that that opened it up. The but, second goal was crazy. Ha- yeah, the second goal was crazy. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like something you'd see someone trying to chase a taxi here in Christmas party season. Like you know, just whatever mm-hmm. gets in the way, I'm just going to barrel on through it here. But amazingly, like it just kept kept opening up for him it was even a little bit, a bit of a hint of a smile on his face after the second ricochet it was like is this really happening yeah. you know it was, yeah, uh, it was kind of a wonder gonna... goal and the wonder was that it went in like that was the, that was the wonder mm. as to how it actually got there but i think yeah like i mean they're gonna take they're gonna take a lot of stuff and obviously they're in the final now um be it be it france or be it morocco um and dan you spoke earlier to a, a french journalist uh Kevin Kevin Capio, I think is how we pronounce it, but he kind of gave a flavour of the mood in France and why Didier Deschamps is likely to stay on after the tournament. Either way, yes. So I just want to ask, like, what is the the mood back in at home in France about the the run to the competition so far and the performances in this competition for France? Uh, my French are very happy of uh, of the, the French team uh, because. Uh, it was, um, it was not very easy uh, before the competition. Um, uh, the, the team have uh, quite bad results. Mm. Uh, you know, in, um, in uh, I would say, um, uh, Amico, uh, friend, friend uh, match. Yes. Yes. So, well, so the, the result was quite bad. And we have a lot of uh, injuries, uh, Benzema. Uh, was uh, the, the Ballon d'Or, the, the best uh, player in Europe. So uh, we are not very con- confi- 
confidence uh, before the, the competition and the results are very good uh, and the choice of Deschamps are, are, are good also uh, with uh, Griezmann yes. uh, who was a striker and now he, he play uh, in the midfield and he's very good. Yes, I mean, have, has the performances of Griezmann surprised people in France, like how well he has played in that position? Yes, they are quite surprised. Um, everybody knows that uh, Griezmann is a, a good player and he can uh, play in the middle. He likes uh, the defence uh, at uh, Atletico Madrid with uh, Simeone. But uh, in the reality, uh, we, we, we didn't know... Uh, uh, what you what can do yeah. mm. um, can I just ask what is the expectation now in France I mean um, you got to win against England you are favourites against Morocco um, do people now expect France to, to win the tournament is that yes. the expectation yes but people uh, people say that uh, England was maybe the best team of the World Cup it was uh, very difficult uh, uh, this match, but now uh, the Morocco uh, is a surprise of the tournament, so we are we are more confident than uh, before uh, before England. Yeah, but do you expect Morocco will be very motivated against France because there is a from the Moroccan point of view, it's France is a big game yes. for them. And a lot for Moroccan uh, live in France, uh, one billion and a half. So mm. it's a very, very uh, important. <laughs> um, the atmosphere in the stadium uh, will be difficult for France uh, because uh, if you see a American uh, make um, a lot of noise in, uh, in the stadium, so uh, it's, a, it's a problem that they, they have to, to resolve uh, uh, tomorrow. And just finally, because um, we are asking from an Irish perspective and France, their next game... Well, they play Holland, but also mm. play against Ireland in, in Dublin in March. Um, is it expected that Didier Deschamps will be the manager then, or do you expect this to be the end yes. uh, for Deschamps? Everybody thinks uh, he, will, he will continue. Uh, he, he doesn't want to uh, answer the question because uh, he's focused on the, on the World Cup. But uh, the president of the Federation, Noel Regret, says that uh, he has a choice. Uh, the objective was a semi-final. So now uh, it's the Deschamps uh, can decide if he, he, he wants to continue or not. On journalists think that uh, he's, uh, he's motiv motivated for, uh, for, to, for continue. Mm. In France, some people uh, want to, uh, to see uh, Zinedine Zidane, mm. but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it would be for after, I think. Is Deschamps popular in France? I mean, I know he's won the World Cup, but would people yes. still like Zidane instead? But, uh, there were some critics uh, with Deschamps, with uh, this game. Uh, for many people, it's too defensive. Uh, it's, yeah. not, um, it's not a, sp uh, a spectacular game. But uh, he has a result. And uh, if, uh, if uh, France uh, wins uh, the World Cup again, uh, yeah. it will be difficult to say goodbye. <laughs> to say so, goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you very much. So, Dan, as much as Argentina now expects, we heard there how much France are expecting as well, the confidence, the idea of um, unhappiness in the camp um, that was 
sort of spoken about pre-tournament seems to be completely gone. Yeah, it does does seem to be the case. Um, uh, I mean, I suppose, and you know this, right? Like when we and we know this probably in the industry too. Like that sometimes we go down the road of like you you talk to a winning team and it's like, oh, it's a great bunch of lads, you know. Like the spirit's wonderful, yeah. and you know you run those quotes, you know, and and it's these are the lines that you you always hear, and you're just like, well, okay, where's the, you know where's the truth like where's the where's the fiction in this but i have to say um i watched the uh i watched the second half of the england france game again the other day i just went into uh uh that well-known uh qatari establishment uh applebee's which is just around the corner and um Two nice ribs i believe yeah i so I, I didn't i didn't i didn't try them but um i've, I've just only discovered this place far too late in the competition um Really, really good screens and and restaurant situation. I mean, I, I definitely. I mean, I, I was five minutes away from this, but anyway, they were replaying the second half of the England France game, and I took a couple of things from it. Actually, one thing, which is by the by, the Saka substitution, which was so controversial, uh, watched the build up to that second French goal again, and it does all start from Saka being slow to track initially, and he actually gets done a little, gets done twice in the move, and I sort of wonder. Was there a sense of oh he's getting a bit tired there and that's something factored into it and I mean I definitely didn't see that at the time um, he was just a little bit sluggish in the build up to the the cross that led to the Giroud chance that led to the corner um, but anyway they showed the Giroud celebrations after the goal and again like there was just something about it you know and again everyone looks happy to score a goal but there was just little mm-hmm. moments Giroud and Griezmann and like sort of mentioned Griezmann there in the in that very brief chat, you know that like Griezmann has been the revelation really to a lot of people, and you're just looking at the the the, the body language of the players, and they're almost thinking, yeah, people didn't think we could do this with the injuries, you know, like Giroud is mm-hmm. is the top scorer in their history, but he's also the substitute, you know, in the, in the yeah. context of Benzema, and you sort of sense that they've they've derived something from it, um. Even though they didn't play that well, probably by the levels they can get to against England, or maybe you can argue the point. Like, is that maybe their max? Like, who knows, right? We'll, we'll we'll probably learn more about that as we go on. Um, but when you consider at the end of the Euros, like, wasn't there all sorts of stuff going on between players, families, and um, was, that, was someone from Rabiot's family involved, and all these sort of stories mm, of yeah, in, in terms the Pogba of, factor as well coming into the mix. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, there seems to be all this sort of turmoil around it, whereas, again, everyone's happy when they're winning, but there just does look to be a small bit more. Even the shot, the champ on the bench with the subs, and, and he wasn't bringing any of them on, but everyone seemed in pretty good form, you know? So maybe um, they've, after a little bit of a, I mean, a disastrous year in the Nations League, which has basically screwed Ireland up, which is like particularly mm-hmm. unfortunate that France not needing to care about the Nations League has made them a second seed. Which could completely ruin Ireland's chances of being in the next tournament, which is like, yeah, pretty annoying. Um, but maybe they've taken a little bit of grief and you know a bit of stick, and they're all of a sudden they're like, no, we're good, we're back together, and this is what powers them to like writing themselves into the history books as back-to-back world. Well, no, it's been done before, but like iconic teams have won back-to-back World Cups. Will we be thinking yeah. about this French side that way? I'm not sure, but I mean they've got a chance of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like 
something we've spoken about before as well like footballers by their nature are selfish and whether you like the bloke you're playing beside or not when you get to a world cup quarterfinal semi-final final that all goes out the window the selfishness of being a world cup winner comes into it and that you know if, if yeah. everyone's been selfish about it and is driving towards the one goal when you've got players of the talent that they have even someone coming off the bench as well it's 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 a phenomenal um it's a phenomenal power to have and as, and as well with that kind of bit of experience of of winning a tournament beforehand I, I, as i said the other day look i think french team of a few years ago where a lot of teams with under that pressure from england would have gone under but they were so calm i mean roy Keane gets a lot of it wasn't wasn't one of roy Keane's most viral moments of the tournament but he spoke afterwards he was the one in among gary neville and ian wright who kind of put his hand up saying we've got to credit the french here as to how calm they were how they went dealt with what england had to throw at them and you see it and watch that second half back mm. dealt with what england had to throw at them and you know found a couple of a couple of knockout blow in the end like that's 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 what it came down to and i think with morocco i, I struggle to see morocco getting you know the same kind of uh leeway if you like that they got against portugal i think france would be far more ruthless but against argentina in a final potentially for france you know that's they do seem to have the the recipe for obviously for winning this tournament as they've done before but that little bit to, to go again and write themselves into the history books is certainly a great carrot for them. Yeah. I, I mean, like, will, will we hear from the Moroccan coach now, maybe? Because I know you there's, there's a clip you wanted to play. Yeah. We, the, the funny, there was a, yeah, there was a, there was a, um, he spoke in the, in the media and funny, when he's speaking about the, the France, the France game against England and how they had different ways of, of turning around winning the game. But also he was rather, scathing about uh, journalists and their fixations on XG and possession stats. So with apologies for the pronunciation, let's hear from Moroccan manager Valid Regragui. On y va pour, uh, pour faire un coup et pour gagner. Mais la possession... What we're going to do is we're going to try to uh, stop them from uh, uh, having shots on goal and uh, stop them from having expected goals. Um, and goals at the end of the day. We're here to win. But uh, I would ask Mr. Infantino, if you can start giving points to teams who have a lot of possession, then that would be a different thing and it would change uh, leagues altogether because there's Manchester City, for example, which has 70% possession uh, practically every game. But um, apart from that, it doesn't matter. Uh, Guardiola was my hero as well for a long time. I wanted to keep the ball. I wanted to play possession football. When you've got De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, uh, other players, uh, world-class players, then that's possible. But what's important for me is that uh, we know that a lot of uh, European journalists who've criticized our style of play. And I think um, they don't like uh, to see a team of our stature playing like a European team, cleverly, uh, because people used to think that African teams were fun because they played with a bit of pleasure. Okay, they dribbled players, but they weren't effective. They got knocked out. But um, those days are over. So Dan, the boy Valid, I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname again. <laughs> he was fairly, it was, um, look, I don't think anybody expects anything different other than France to have a lot of the ball, Morocco to try and nick a goal and hang on in the way that they, in the way that they did against Portugal. Um, can you see any way of, of Morocco actually getting a win and going to the final? 
I suppose getting a win versus hanging in there for a long time. I mean, this is such a big game for them. Um, it's a huge game for them. Like this is them playing their colonial overlord. You know, this is this is like this is bigger than football, and and already they're powered by something that's bigger than football. And obviously, the fear is that at some stage they're overwhelmed with this. But then you might have said that after the this you know the the Spain game, and then it didn't happen again. Yeah. Now. I'd be more concerned about their injury list than their nerve, you know, and, and I think, you know, they, they've been reasonably keeping the cards reasonably close to their chest in terms of who's actually going to be okay and how many of the big names will be there. Now, they still obviously have the energy in midfield, Amrabat and Unehi, and they seem to be fine, but it's 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 in the defensive department, uh, full back, and there's just a, just a few issues and concerns there, but... Uh, I, I just I'm loath to just write them off and assume that like uh, some kind of uh, football hierarchy will naturally uh, be assembled because maybe there's a, I'm a slight bit conscious that England and France felt like a final and France mm-hmm. won it and there's been a couple of times in this competition where a team thinks they've landed like Brazil and like Portugal albeit oh, after he- yeah. after heavy wins but it's like you know that maybe this is opening up for us a bit here. Um, and then they get done, you know, in a game where people yeah. maybe aren't expecting them to get done by Croatia or by Morocco. So, yeah, I, I, I'm in terms of prediction, I'm going to say France to go through. But these Moroccan games, the noise, the atmosphere, um, if they work really hard and probably find ways to restrict that French front four, um, they can counter well. Like, it's just not, for me, something that is just, like, set in stone. France are definitely going to do this. Um, yeah. Because I think I've just been burned before by assuming Morocco will be done. And it is a semi-final. And maybe the team, like, like, a lot of people fancy Croatia against Argentina. And I think Argentina, yeah. like, they struggled for 20 minutes as well, 25 minutes, let's be honest. But, like, they probably then, there was no sense of Argentina being complacent about this game in the discussion and the preliminaries. There was never any talk about that. Because yeah. probably the scare that they had against the Dutch and everything. Whereas I think with France, it's just something that you need to be just a little bit cautious about here. Um, so I'm hoping that of the semis, like, I mean, in the end, the second half of, of this one, the, the first one was, a, aside from maybe one of the best assists you'll ever see in your life, okay? Can't Absolutely. really describe that as a non-event. But the, the last 15 minutes was a non-event. I just think Morocco can can keep this one going for a while. Uh, I think they have it in them. Yeah. 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 It, it, look, it, it is hard to see. I, I think France had their warning against Poland. You know, they had a Poland had a couple of chances that is kind of forgotten about in the end of the final scoreline. It was it was a strange. It was three 0 or three one in the end, wasn't it? With the with the with the penalty at the yeah. end. But it was there was a couple of times during that game where France had to wake up. And, you know, Poland didn't take their chance. And that's fine. England obviously had a few chances against them too. But Morocco aren't a team that you want to fall behind against, you know, as as several teams have, uh, well, well, you know, you, as you, teams have you, found it, Porsche well, particular. You, I'm just thinking, like, we played that clip, but you actually wanted to play that clip. Like, I mean, what struck you about that? Is that because you sort of, you know, you, you, you like that philosophy, the way he talks about it? And is that part of the point almost? I think it is. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest point is to to play to your strengths. I mean, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous it's, in some ways to actually have to say that, but 
like he was making no apologies that they're not going to try and go out and beat France in a 50-50 game of football. It's one of those things you often hear, you know, Guardi, he referenced Pep Guardiola and, you know, it's one of the complaints that you often hear from Guardiola from his time, like in Barcelona or with Manchester City, where, you know, when a team came out and played against them, um, or refused to kind of engage them in a, you know, if you like a traditional passing game of football and, lo- and beat them or took points off them, there's often a kind of a whinge, whereas other times a team like, I don't know, Brentford's a bad example because they, they, they did beat them. But like, I think Brighton last year played them and they've played Norwich and they've played other teams like that who've come out and tried to look pretty and play passing football against City. And they've been beaten four or five nil. And Guardiola's walked onto the pitch and, you know, tapped the head of the best player and said, look, you did very well against us kind of thing. That was great. Thanks very much, four nil. I just thought it was unusual to hear a manager come out and be as explicit as that in relation to how he's going to go about playing the game. It was almost Jack Charlton type stuff. There was I was like going to say, like, are know, we, are, are put we them sure? under pressure and we're going to play to our strengths. We're going to win the ball and get on with the game kind of stuff. It was, we, it was, it was yeah, remarkable I, to hear it. Are we are we in modern parlance? Are we like are we subtweeting Ireland here, or is this what we're doing? Oh, is this, yeah, is that is, is that the yeah? Point look, I, I don't the point you're sort of getting at here. Not really. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not particularly going going into the going down that route at this at this stage of the tournament and at this stage <laughs> of the podcast. But because that's a whole different one. But yeah, okay, no, maybe, maybe, look, maybe, it's, maybe not. It's just an interesting one. It's it's look maybe. I mean, you said the 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 Danish setup against France was one that the Irish um you know the Irish took note of. Um, yeah, well they're counter attacking side keep now, an eye on they? this and see, yeah. They're gonna be playing counter the yeah. gonna be playing counter attacking football in probably five of their eight games next year. Uh, I would have thought, you know, so we'll see how sort of um effective that is. Um but yeah, I mean I, I mean listen, all, all all politics is local, right? So I was I was wandering around today, I mean to be honest, like trying to find a couple of Moroccans to speak and couple i got they weren't confident enough about their english you know but there was um there was one fella who was basically saying like you know people are giving us grief but actually france in 2018 they played a lot of the way that, that we did now now that's maybe a slight exaggeration but definitely like the semi-final against belgium like belgium actually played a lot of football in that game and, and france um absorbed it a bit um but anyway in the, in the context of all things being um local I went over to a group and I was trying to figure out as many Moroccans there, and it turned out that they were uh, all Algerian, and this whole line about everyone from the sort of African and, and Arab world sort of being behind Morocco is basically true, apart for apart from Algeria. Like for Algeria, uh, this is a little bit of a nightmare. Like this is I don't know, is it a Scotland England Ireland England situation? But the only thing is. Uh, and probably for similar reasons to Morocco, they also really dislike France, like really, really dislike France as well. So it was put to me that the best thing about the game from their perspective is that at least one of them was going to lose. That was the only, the the upshot they could, they could have from the game. So everyone sees it through, uh, sees this tournament through different eyes, but in Morocco or sorry, in Algeria right now, we were reminiscing about um, 2009 and the Thierry Henry handball and our own baggage with France when, any Ireland fans listening who were there will remember going back into Paris that night and the place was full of Algerians celebrating their qualification for the World Cup that night. It was full of mm-hmm. them. Um, but in the same way, there's a massive Algerian community there. There's a massive Moroccan community there. And If I wasn't going to be in the stadium, 
I think possibly, you know, the place to be to watch this game would probably be Paris. Uh, or maybe not. Absolutely. They've spoken of, yeah, well, they've spoken of um, their concerns. Uh, I think that's putting it mildly about uh, mm. what might take place on the Champs-Élysées regardless of the results, uh, yeah. regardless of the, of the match. So there doesn't seem to be, just before we finish up, I mean, Morocco and Argentina would be from the sense of an atmosphere in a final um, would certainly be probably the strongest atmosphere of the of the tournament. There doesn't seem to be many, many French fans there. Would that be fair? Yeah, no. I mean, they might emerge. There was more Croatians there today than I thought there would be, to be fair. And, like, still still not that many. I mean, I actually worked out that the stadium, the loose soil, is effectively will be 2% of the population of Croatia when full. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think there's a lot of said to me by a couple of people I've met here, there's a lot of French expats here, but they haven't necessarily been visible in the stadium. The one thing I would say about the final is that generally like a lot of people would have got tickets for the final and it can be a lot more corporate and stuffy just because there's more neutrals there. I think Argentina's involvement will guarantee that's not the case, but there might still be fewer Argentina fans and fewer Moroccans than in earlier games if they get through, just purely because so many people just get final tickets, you know? Um, yeah. But at least now it's it, there will be noise generated and Argentina and Morocco would, would be maximum noise for sure. But I think I think either way now the final atmosphere would be fine. Yeah, yeah, there should be some atmosphere today as well. Dan, enjoy the game. Um, thanks for joining us. Watch us on independent.ie or YouTube or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.